Athens bouquet would eat her heart out at this. The nose, she's the nosy person. The nose is everything. The nose, the nose, the nose, nose, nose. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is another one of these. I was asked a question you know, on uh, on our YouTube page. Um, I did a review. What was the review of? Um, well, well, people can go and look. They can check it out. Ooh. Irish Whiskey Review on YouTube. And they can see all the old shows there. And some of them are going hell for leather even after they're over. Yes, yes. It seems to be. It seems to be. Uh, people people join after the fact, Justin. You know, people like to, to come after the fact. I, I think their heart skirt I'll put their name and their question on screen <laughs> and slag them off or something like that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I would put nothing past you, just to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no. no, but the question was, um, what? I, I tell you what it was. It was the Dunville's Green label for the Palace Bar. Um, that was the one. And I was asked, what's the best nose on a whiskey I've ever smelled or ever smelt? Now, <laughs> what people find out about me is, or what? I, if anybody talks to me for any of the time. I try and not do bests or the best ever or, you know, this is the f- the single, simply the best thing I've ever tasted because um, I always think nostalgia starts playing a massive part of this. So I'll give you a good example of this. I was in Glen Scotia, which is just across the water from me over in Campbelltown. And... Mullican Tarmits Road. I only wanted to do that because they don't copyright claim it on podcasts, but there you go. Well, I'd sing that because I'm a Nottingham Forest supporter. God love me. But uh, yeah, so I was in in Glen Scotia. Now, anyone that's been to Campbelltown will just know that it's just one of the most magical places if you're a whiskey, if you're a whiskey enthusiast and you don't get to Glen Scotia and Springbank you're really missing out it's just it's incredible incredible little place and two of the best distilleries Glen Scotia 25 has just been named at the San Francisco Spirit Awards as the best whiskey in the world Um, and Springbank is this just museum and masterpiece of distilling it's just amazing Um, and they're I mean, they're sort of 10 minutes walk from each other. How did it survive without modernisation like so many of them? Really because people love what they do. Um, the, the stuff they produce is a little bit more expensive, but in whisky prices, if you're paying £50 for a quality bottle of whisky or £55 for a quality bottle of whisky, is there any real difference? You know, if, if somebody said to you, look, um, this is a £55 bottle of whisky and it's it's really good, and, but £60 buys you... One that's even better. If you're going to spend fifty five, sixty five is not, a, 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 you know, a kick in the arse off it, as we would say. What you're trying to tell us is when you walk into an old factory that smells like a whiskey distillery, it adds value to the product. But the nose, the nose never lies when you actually stick your uh, honker into it. Well, see, this I was in Glen Scotia, and I'd done the tour, went round, and it was just me on the tour. And the guy who was there works, and he's not just a not a tour guide. He was he was uh, part of the distilling team, and we went round, um, just he and I, and we did the it's like the deluxe tasting. Hmm. Anyway, just taking a sip of whiskey there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and 
he sent out the six whiskies, so you had the six managers, and I was nosing them and tasting them and talking through, well, what am I getting on this? And there was one of them hit me as being very strange, because it had a, a nose and a little note in it that I'd never really got before. <clears throat> and I said to him, that's very strange, because there's a, a fresh fish note to that on the, on the nose. And he looked at me and he says, listen, our head blender says exactly the same. He says, we don't put it out on the tasting notes, but he says there's a, there's a fresh fish note coming through on that. And I, that to me was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I thought I was, you know, Billy Layton from Irish Distillers because <laughs> I picked this up. And for me, that, that Glen Scotia maybe has the best nose ever because that nostalgic... I picked that out, and I thought I thought I was the the mutts nuts, as we would say, you know, the the, the bee's knees, the, the bee's knees. But in truth, that that's what the note was there, and it, it is it the best nose, the, the the finest nose on any whiskey I've ever tried. Well, no, it's not. But for me personally, it, it holds just a huge nostalgia. Um, the thing about nosing whiskies is, like I said in the previous podcast, your nose is so much more sensitive that people sometimes don't appreciate that... You read all these different figures for this, but it can be sort of between 60 and 80% of what you're actually tasting is actually what you're actually nosing, what you're smelling. Okay, so, yeah, I, I, believe, I believe that, yeah, I believe that, yeah. You know, you, depending on who you, what you read or reference in this. So the nose is really, really complicated. Um, so to say what's the best nose is is really up for debate. Now, I know the, I know we're doing this as an audio file, so I can't do the visuals. But I want to. But hold on. Sometimes, sometimes something can smell lovely and taste disgusting and sometimes it can smell disgusting and taste lovely um it's v- the former of that state those statements is true the latter of them may in some instances be true but very very regular if something smells lovely and tastes awful uh, there must be a certain water soluble compound in it that's really putting you off so it's normally if something smells bad it is bad and you'll smell it as being bad and you might be able to taste it and think oh that's that's it's palatable on the taste but the nose if you have it in your nose is if you smell if it smells off invariably it is off you know right uh well i i don't mind an anacidi smell but sometimes anacidi taste can be too much for me yeah well you see this would be because there's uh, probably a certain compound in in that whatever it is you're eating it might be fennel or it might be licorice or whatever that's that you don't like so it's why why some people think coriander tastes of soap other people love it I think Indian cooking it's amazing um, but some people just can't eat it I for example I don't mind the smell of cucumber other people tell me it doesn't have a smell but I can smell it I just can't taste it i think it's disgusting i i can i'm not just as bad now as i used to be but it used to be if there was a tray of sandwiches 
you know, say you go to a, a funeral or something, or you know, go to a wake as we would have over here, and there's one cucumber sandwich in that whole tray of sandwiches. It used to be I couldn't eat any of them because I picked it up and I tasted them, and it just made me almost feel sick. And right. it's just that there's some chemicals and some people have different genetic makeups that make them taste things slightly different. You can do a DNA test that will, with like 95% accuracy, tell you whether you think um, coriander tastes a soup. And it, so some people just taste, perceive things a lot different than other people. And that's why if anyone ever tells you soup? this is the best ever. Is, is coriander a, a product, an ingredient in soup? No, no. Okay. It, it, there's a there's uh, there's a chemical, a compound in coriander that is similar has similar properties to to a, something in soap. I can't remember if if you asked me about it, I, I would I would have to go look it up. But there's there's a compound in coriander that some people perceive as being soapy, and whatever there is in cucumber. I, I, I just can't take it. I just think it's you could be a you could be a cat. Maybe you're a secret cat, and, and when you see a cucumber, you jump six feet in there and jump back again. No, that's that's mice that does that to me. Verified <laughs> <laughs> of them, can't have them at all. No, uh, but that as I say, it's that it, it's that perception. So whenever anyone tells you this is the best, this is the best, this is the best, you really need to try it yourself. Um, I do. I know I do the whiskey reviews and I give my opinion, but. When it's all said and done, it's always just my opinion, you know. Now, here's something for you, because we don't rehearse these, uh, and uh, you always think, God, I, I always sort of <laughs> petrify you when I, when I come up with this. Yeah. Everybody who tries a whiskey gets a finish, but very few people who try whiskey actually knows it properly. This is very true. Um, not many people knows a whiskey nor, nor, nor in many instances should they, uh, because if you're drinking to have a few drinks with a few mates, do yourself a favour and don't sit punsing about. You know, you're sitting there with your mate and your mate's girlfriend's talking about, oh, can you smell the honeysuckle and the and the honeycomb and the bees in the meadow? No, no don't be doing that. Just sit and have a drink and enjoy yourself and stop talking I know, crap. I know. You know, yeah, there's yeah. Lot, lots of people try and do that and just right. don't. If you're amongst a couple of whiskey drinking friends, fine, but don't labour the point, you know. Or, or uh, stick your little finger out because I might break it off on you. Now, I to be fair, I have I do I drink I drink the movie finger out a little bit. That's <laughs> true. You'll notice that I always drink the movie finger out a little bit. But um, I'll, I'll give you an example of what you can do to to really. Um, understand about nosing because even within one bottle you can have a huge range of, of noses okay so I popped the cork on on a whiskey there a second ago and what I'm lifting out here uh, is probably what I'll review next on YouTube on the Irish Whiskey Review and it is it's a bottle of Edradour up near Pitlochry in Scotland um, Natural Cask Strength Highland Malt Scotch Whiskey 2005 uh, Now the wee label gives you it's cask number 138 number of bottles 628 so obviously it's a big sherry cask Listen Justin, listen 
Yahoo! Whoa. I put these sound effects in later. They aren't real, you know, folks. Um, that's the boutique sort of w- tiny wee place, isn't it? It's... If anybody ever gets a chance of going, it's the most beautiful little distillery. Now, for some reason, the reason Edridor's never that collectible as such is because pretty much every bottle they bring out has got uh, something special about it a little bit. Now, lots of people don't particularly... Lots of people aren't keen on it, or you'll read stuff that says, oh, it's not for me, it's not for me. That's perfectly fine. They only make like three barrels a week or something, it's some tiny little amount. They've actually decided to build another distillery beside the original distillery because they're expanding. But three barrels a week's even less than uh, Todd at Leopold's because he's that that uh, three chamber does what two or three barrels a day, so they're ah, doing less than he does. Ah, it's just, it was it was the smallest distillery in Scotland, or, you know, the smallest legal uh, licensed distillery in Scotland. It's t- I mean it's tiny. There's only I think there's only three or four people in the place makes whiskey. Are you telling me there's maybe illegal distilleries in Scotland? Well, Justin, it all depends because it's not illegal to distill. Uh, it's just illegal to sell. Uh, the, 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 the rules are not that complicated, but if you have a, if you can get a rectifier's licence, you can quite legally distill and consume it yourself. And you can even give it away, I suppose, but you can't actually sell it. All right. Yeah. Now... This Edredur's cask strength. I just put the bottle away so I never read what the cask strength was. And let me see. Let me see now. Let me see. 62.2% ABV. Hi. You couldn't drink yes. that without water in it. Uh, well, no. And if you try and nose it, you're not doing yourself any justice with it. But uh, put it like this, if you start if you really nose that, it would burn the nose off you and there's no point in even trying to take it any further. But what you do is Knows it from a distance. And you can start to pick up notes. I'm From that distance I'm getting like crispy bacon and, and sort of meat flavours. But it's that sweet, you know the sweetness that you get off meat. You know whenever meat's yeah. caramelised you get that sweet. Yeah. That's what you're getting. But I'm, I'm nosing this from a distance away. Now, because it's 62% plus, you need to put water in it. Okay. Now, when you start adding little bits of water, and especially with an editor, because the amount of oil it's in, it's just incredible. I do wish people could see this. So hopefully, if they, if they go to the the YouTube, I'll hopefully be able to demonstrate about this. Now, I've put a couple of teaspoons of water in there, and I'll let it sit and dissipate. Now, give it a little swirl. And this really should sit out for a, for a period of time. But... Now it's becoming much more approachable. There's much more wood influence coming off it. There's much more f- fresh fruit. There's still a little bit of that cooked meat, that bacon cooked meat. It's maybe turned into more like charred steak rather than than crispy bacon. But you, what I'm trying to demonstrate, what I'm trying to tell you is that as you put water into it, the nose develops, the nose changes. And as that all starts to change, at what point is the nose of that the optimum where it can be? Well, that's down to personal opinion. Because you, you you can overnose it. I've put like this. When you buy something at 62%, you're not buying a bottle of whiskey there. Really what you're buying is probably, if it's 70 CL, really you're buying about 
110 milliliters. You're, you're buying well over a liter because you need to water it down. And as you start to water it down, obviously you're getting more volume. So if you're watering it down and it's maybe down, you take it down and it's 46%, maybe on down a little bit further. I mean, some whiskies really aren't at their peak until they're at 30%. However, if you think, for you personally, two, three teaspoons of water is where you think that's perfect, then you find that balance. Uh, and then the nose is opened up to what you think is, that I'm getting most out of that. And don't be scared with something like that to overwater it. Don't be scared to put a little bit too much in occasionally and go, I've, I've overcooked that. Uh, and then all you have to do is drop more whiskey in. Well, you can do, but normally what I would do is I would drink it and then learn not to do it again. Right. Because um, it could be an ex- expensive mistake if you add too much water. Well, the thing is, it, it, it's all a learning curve. You know, you take it and you think to yourself, okay, how, why did that go too much? Did I put, was it, was it would half a teaspoon have brought out a little more in it? Maybe not. Uh, you know, and you're, it's just that thought process. You know, you begin to judge for yourself, right? That's really at the best point that can be at. Um, for me, and it's always always personal opinion. Don't let people tell you anything else. But now that sat for a wee minute with the water in it, you're getting much more fruit notes now. The wood, where I said, said there was wood coming in, the wood's taking a back seat, and the fruit's now coming to the fore. And that nose is just developing and changing and moving up. Um, if you're a smoker or a vapor, you won't be able to smell the same as other people, will you? <sighs> Personally speaking, I don't think you would, but I know some people who who can smoke away and they do have good noses on them. So, I mean, who knows? I, I, listen, it's entirely up to anybody. If they think they can do it and they have enough and they think they know where they can get it to their point, that's not the name. I, I, I have a couple of smoker friends that that knows and taste whiskies and I always keep always say to them, sure you can't taste them, you, you know, they're only after a Benson and Ages or whatever, but yeah. I'm only ever joking with them. Only well, at least they don't do manful cigarettes anymore, so you definitely couldn't uh, smell or taste anything after a manful cigarette, because even I used to like the smell of them. <laughs> no, I've, I've got, actually, I'm just sort of hypersensitive to smoke now, because I, I smoked for a lot of years and I stopped... 12 years ago um, I, I, I was smoking 30 a day the worst kind the worst kind a reformed smoker well it's not I don't people can smoke all around me but I do, I do smell it for days after I smell it for maybe 2-3 days even if I changed all my clothes and showered somebody walked past me in the forest the other day and they were smoking and they must have been 100 metres away from me and I didn't smell the smoke until the wind bought it 100 metres to me I was turning out to be Rambo First Blood Part 19 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, First Blood do you ever remember First Blood? Would they not have been wiser just giving them the burger? <laughs> you know I mean, only one that was only one that was a cheeseburger. There you go. Uh, Cheers, John. On your way. On your way. Uh, oh, Brian, well. Brian Dunne, he was brilliant. Now he's he's dead now. Unfortunately, uh, he was uh, he was brilliant. class. It was class movie. A it lot class movie. A lot going on that in that movie, and there's a lot going on in a glass, really, isn't there? When you there, when you stick your nose in it, there is. And when you put your nose into a whiskey, as I say, I, I'm not going to tell anybody what the best whiskey is because in all seriousness nostalgia starts to play its part and you you know whenever 
people talk about oh back in the day uh, whiskey from the whiskey 1990s was much better than it is today and all that invariably it's it's well there might be hold on hold on a minute here they might be right because you know when you used to open a bottle of harp you used to be able to smell the hops in it didn't you yeah well um (laughs) there's lots of arguments to say stuff was better back in the day but i have a few open bottles from back in the day and i would i would put them up against stuff today and and I I would the the stuff today's equal to or better in most cases. Um, now, if you were to go back a hundred years, then you're starting to talk totally different things. You're talking about different mash bills and different uh, what people were actually allowed to do. You could be talking about different stills. I want to try this uh, three chambered still stuff because uh, I'm sure this is going to make a difference on the nose, the palate, and the finish. Mm, and I've got another surprise coming for you too. Hopefully. Um, a Jap- it's a Japanese whiskey. Wow. This is, this is another Lazarus. This is another style of whiskey that's been risen from the grave, Justin. Uh, a very old experiment that never really got traction, but we're talking to people, and we'll get to that hopefully soon. Hopefully we'll be able to... Uh, get a chat with them okay this is exciting so are you saying it's a plum liqueur one Mm -hmm. or or are you saying it's a Missourana one Mm -mm. this is a whiskey Justin and it's a totally different style of whiskey Um, this I've been talking to these guys emailing them this week and uh, this is this is another interesting topic we'll get to that some other point but I just want to say I couldn't tell you what my favourite nose ever was but I could probably tell you what it wouldn't be um, for me the best noses are the ones that are are the richest the ones with a lot of balance to them uh, complexity uh, and, and all of these nice words that we all like to use so for me it would probably be a sherry cask it would be Something with a, a nice age that's used a really good top quality sherry cask. Um, but you don't like sherry casks that are sweet? No. But on the nose, they can be quite palatable. Okay. But when you taste them, for me, sometimes they can be quite sweet. But So the best nose in the world for me would probably not be a bourbon cask. It probably wouldn't be a bourbon because I find them too sweet too even sweet. on the nose. Okay. Uh, it wouldn't be a rye. Um and it would probably, probably be something uh, with a decent body to it. So it would probably be something double distilled, if I'm totally honest. Because I think it would have a level of complexity that triple distillation sometimes takes out of it. A lot of the time will take it out of it. Uh, so something quite heavy, quite oily, sherry cast finish. I'm not going to say which, what it would be, but, you know, maybe if you were working with a a red breast 12 cask strength you could end up having something with a really really nice nose on it really nice um it may be that some people go for uh i'm just playing about here um a bushmills 16 has a wonderful nose on it uh, but is it the best in the world ever i've ever had um i still hurt back to the the, the glen scotia 
<laughs> I, I, I picked out thinking I was, I was and, and then was of course world. and then of course doesn't matter about the nose doesn't matter about the finish you might never have tried the one that's the best yet either on the nose or on the finish well there's always the next one Justin you know um, as you well know I have a lot of whiskey here um, I picked out the editor because I wanted to, I wanted to sort of say that as you go through the nose changes in, in the bottles um, if I had the left out of all of the bottles that I have there in terms of the nose I'm probably looking at lifting out one of the red breasts probably it's maybe the one with the best nose that I have there that I thought again I always want to turn around and reach for the Dunville single cask if I'm totally honest okay because the right. noses are just fabulous and it's that sherry cask influence you know I think you were a bit more positive on the finish of the whiskey rather than the nose. Uh, the finish seems more a definitive answer, whereas the nose is subjective, is it? Well, part of the thing is, like I say, when you are tasting something, a huge percentage of that is is what you're smelling. And when you've the finish when you've actually swallowed the whiskey you're getting the nose you're also getting the palate and you're also getting development which you do get a certain development on the nose whenever you you know as you inhale a lot more the, the nose develops a little bit but there's a much more experiential style of thing when you are uh, when, when you've actually swallowed the whiskey because you're getting the taste you're getting the mouthfeel you're getting the finish and development in the finish and you're still getting a bit of the nose so if I had to say which one's more important I would have to go with the finish okay let us know what you think if you're listening and enjoying the show uh, remember comment like and share what's the main show Saturday nights 10pm Facebook and YouTube Irish Whiskey Review remember you can uh, follow us on Instagram and on LinkedIn. It's Irish Risky Review is there as well. And uh, Marty, thanks very much. You've enlightened us again this week. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Take care. <laughs>